the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm a little tongue-tied host, Trey Dedman. I'm joined, as I am every week, by freshly tanned from the Caribbean, Mr. Shane Reeves. I am very tanned and relaxed. I got the full unwinding on my cruise. Um, you look like a man who's just had a massage. Not only that, it's... The good thing about the cruise is you turn the cell phone off and you get seven days of just your thoughts. And you don't even get news or information. I mean, you're alone on an island, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you could if you wanted it, but you would have to seek it out. It's not right. like our day-to-day society where we're so bombarded, but yeah. we'll come back to that. Let's light some cigars. All right. You brought something special back, <clears throat> it looks like. So I went to Corona Cigars down in... Um, Orlando and Corona is a TAA shop. Corona is an amazing cigar shop. You've spoken very highly of them since we've been doing this show. Not only is their inventory amazing, their staff is always amazing. Sean down there, Glenda even posted on Facebook while we were there that we were at Corona Cigars, and Jeff Borowitz, the owner, actually commented on her oh, wow. Facebook feed and said, "Hope you enjoy it. Hope you know. Hope yeah. we meet your expectations." That's just, some next level customer service that you just don't get anymore these days. I don't think it is. It's a it's an amazing shop. I I cannot complain. The only thing my only complaint about the whole shop is they don't have a humidor. Right. It's the whole shop. Shop is a humidor. But they're in Florida. I imagine they spend more money removing humidity than adding. Probably so. And all. But I picked up the CAO Esteli TAA Exclusive 2018. It so. looks beautiful. I mean, if I had to draw a picture of what a cigar looks like, I think that's what I would draw. Well, it reminds me the the bouquet. I have not smoked one yet, but the bouquet, the smell, reminds me of the old CAO gold before General bought CAO. Okay. And all, if you can remember that far back. I, I do remember that cigar. It was and a great cigar. Well, it's a Nicaraguan from Jalapa wrapper, which is, this is what's hilarious to me. It's called the Esteli. It's called the Esteli, and the wrapper, Nicaraguan Jalapa. The binder is Honduran. The filler is Dominican Republic, Honduras, and Nicaraguan. So where does Esteli come from? I think they just take every box of them and ship them to Esteli and then ship them on out. Right. I think they all just ship out of Esteli. I don't think there's any <laughs> cigar actually made in Esteli. But I'm very excited to smoke this. I've, I saved it especially for this podcast because we're, we're gen, you know, we're general cigar fans. We are. And it we, took us. It took me doing this show and having Sean on a couple of times, but because I had kind of fallen out of favor with General. But man, there's very few cigars that they make that I don't like. And if you listen to other cigar podcasts, shame on you. But if you listen to other <laughs> po- cigar podcasts, they like to look down their nose at General Cigar. Well, it's that whole cigar snob thing of what, only boutiques matter. And, right. and I just, you know, I, I was that guy for a while. I'll fully admit it. You know, there was a time in my life when I was more concerned with the exclusive and the small batch and the boutique and kind of did thumb my nose at the Perdomos and the Rockies and the General and Altidus. But these days, now that I've smoked and realize how good their cigars are, it doesn't matter how many lines they have. It doesn't matter how many facings they have in the humidor. It just matters how good the cigars are. And in General's case, they're very good, and the price point is unbeatable. Yeah, the, the price point of these cigars is always going to be excellent, and it should be because you're dealing with a larger company. Right. And, you know, so I'm very excited to smoke this, and I'm cutting it with my new cutter. I'm, I'm excited to try this. I know we're going to talk about it later on in the show. But I am very, anytime a new accessory comes out and I can get my hands on it, it's a good day. So I'm well, very excited to try this. So, the, well, let's light your cigar and then I'll tell you the story of how I acquired this new cutter. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize there was a story behind the acquisition as well. Is there anything in my life that does not involve a story? No, not even a little. Uh, I mean, I could tell you about my new boots. <laughs> your new what? My new boots. Oh, I, I noticed. They look sharp. <laughs> Thank you. Carry on. Though. So, so, what are you going to smoke? I am smoking the Casa Fernandez Agonorsa Leaf Maduro. Sorry, we got to go to break. It took me too long to introduce <laughs> my cigar. Oh, no, carry on. You're like me with that Perdomo a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, no, this is the Agonorsa Maduro. It's Nicaraguan uh, long filler from Agonorsa. It's got a um, 
very sort of heavy to medium, like heavy medium to medium full is all uh, from all the reviews and stuff that I've seen on it. Uh, it looks to be, I mean, it's they call it a Toro, but it's a 58 ring gauge. It's a fat Toro. And, you know, it's a little bit bigger than I would normally smoke, but it was either this or Robusto, and I'm just not... When I'm sitting down to smoke a cigar on the podcast with you, I'm, I'm, I want to take more than a Robusto. I want to really slow down and enjoy myself. Yeah, you want something that's gonna that you're going to invest a little time in. But now, this is what's terribly interesting to me. While you light your cigar, I've got to tell this story. So, it's going to be a long night, isn't it? <laughs> it could be. Two weeks ago, I smoked the Punch Diablo on the show. And when I smoked the Punch Diablo, um, I smoked the Rothschild. Yes. And it about knocked me on my rear end. Well, that we recorded that Wednesday, that Friday, Austin got the Punch Diabolus in here, the 6x60s. And it's funny because that was one of the cigars, when I saw it on the shelf tonight, I was going to pick it up and smoke it on the show, but I haven't had dinner yet, and all he has in is the big 6x60, and I knew better than to try and tackle that. You'd be doing the second half of the show by yourself. Well, it's a, well, I could do that, but... <laughs> It's amazing. Jeez, thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I got a lot. I got a lot tonight, and I'll, tonight's one of those nights that I've got enough content for five shows. But the he got them in Friday, and I said, "Oh boy, I loved that Rothschild. I can't wait to get this six by sixty. So I put on my seatbelt, I put on my helmet, I had all the proper protection to smoke what I assumed was going to be a cigar that was going to blow the top of my head off." In the 6x60, it's milder. Really? By far. Probably so it's mo- all coming from that leaf. The most mellow, um, the most difference I have ever had in a cigar in my life. So much difference that now I'm going back and cigars that I have long held as 6x60s being my size, smoking the Rothschild version of that cigar. Because it it's dramatic, the difference in those two cigars. Well, I guess when you're talking, I mean, the difference between like a Gordo 6x60 and a Toro is probably not going to be that extreme. But if you're going 6x60 to Lancero or to Corona or even Robusto, I can imagine that being a fairly significant difference. This CAOSLE takes me back. This, I guarantee you, next time we have Sean on the show, we will interrogate him. I will bet you... It's a gold. It's a CAA gold blend. I'll bet it's a, the same blend they used to always put in the CAO gold. Interesting. I've, I mean, it looks like it looks like a darker wrapper than was on the original gold. Yeah, it's just... But the taste is the same. The yeah. flavor is that throwback classic cigar taste that I remember from the, the dawn of my cigar smoking life, from my early years. Gotcha. It, it's that cigar. Interesting. And I'll... What's your first blush on the Aganorsa leaf? It's a little bit lighter than I was expecting. Um, very, very mellow flavors, like chocolate, creamy. It, it's a little sweeter than I was expecting for a medium plus to medium full cigar. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll develop a little bit more because their stuff tends to need to heat up a little bit. But I mean, so far it's good. It's very classic flavors. Um, this, this cigar reminds me of kind of, it kind of takes me back to my early days of smoking as well. It reminds me, uh, very classic, classic cigar flavors. And there's a lot of benefit to that. There's not everything, you know, I guess this is going to be our anti, um, um, pomposity, pomposity show because... Not everything has to be cutting edge, brand new. It's it's good sometimes. The classics are classics for a reason. Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time in my business when they come and they say, should I put brick in my house? Brick layer is the oldest prof- or second oldest profession in the world. He's got a great product. Not as good as the oldest, but he's got a great product. Yeah. I think- There's a reason why brick works because brick works. Right. And there's a reason why classic cigars taste great. Now... Quick recap of some of the cigars I managed to smoke on my vacation. I'm not, I'm not going to stretch on and on and on about the vacation, though I could. But, well, um, first tell us where all you went. 
tell it, give us kind of the high level stuff before you tell us about what you smoke. So we sailed out of um, Port Canaveral. We flew into Orlando and I went to Corona and then we sailed out of Port Canaveral and went down to Amber Cove, Dominican Republic. So Amber Cove is on the Porta Plata side. Okay. So it's not on the side of the island where they grow tobacco because it's very mountainous. The mountains literally, if you fell off the mountain, you would land in the ocean. They literally go right down to the ocean That's there. pretty cool. Oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But the salt spray from that side, the tobacco leaves don't like. So all the tobacco is grown on the other side of the island, basically the other side of the mountains. Mm. So I was on that side where they grow the cacao. They had avocados hanging on trees the size of cantaloupes. Oh, wow. It was ridiculous. Mangoes. Um, the, we went the excursion. And here's a, here's a top travel tip for anybody that wants to go on a cruise. You can go find sand and water anywhere. You can go to a beach, you can go to Alabama, you can go to South Carolina, you can go to Florida, you can find a beach anywhere. Go do something cultural. Take one of the cultural tours. They're always cheaper than the beach tours Mm -hmm. and they're always better. We went, they took us on the tour, they took us to not just the rum factory, but actually the farm where they grow the sugar cane to produce the rum. Oh, very cool. So did you get to like see the process a little bit? Oh, they had all the machinery there. They walked us through all the steps. It was amazing. It was a very, um, uh, they had a traditional Dominican meal fixed for us. It was an avocado base with potatoes, carrots, and um pork in it oh and you served it over rice kind of gumbo style it was sounds wonderful well it's what i call working man's food yeah you know it, you can tell this is something that to keep you, eat. you going all day yeah and so they fed us that when they got when we got there we had mojitos they had their rum it was wonderful um and the biggest thing that i loved in dominican was mama Juana. So what Mama Juana is, I'll have to put a post on the Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram about what the jug looks like. But it is roots, leaves, sticks, everything in a jug of different plants and all. And there's some basil in it. There's some cinnamon in it. There's some plants that just grow there. And you add natural honey and either rum or wine. And everywhere you go there, they have a jug of Mama Juana on the counter. And all, and you just point at it, and they'll pour you a shot of it of their blend, what their blend of Mama Juana is going to be. So it's kind of like sangria, where every place has their own take on it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, they all kind of had their take on it. Specialty this, recipe. When we left the rum factory, we went to the cigar place, and at the cigar plant, or it wasn't really a plant; it was a shop, and they had a roller there. And I will say. Um, it looked very Western from your picture. It didn't look very traditional. It was not. It, we went, and they have rolling blackouts there, so, of course, the power was out while we were there. And the roller was not using a chaveta. He was actually using a rolling cutting wheel, which I immediately flagged as a lesser-skilled individual. <laughs> but his Otherwise, cig- he'd be across the mountains working in a factory. That's right. Otherwise, yeah, he'd be working somewhere at Fuente. But... Um, they rolled cigars right there for us. Good cigars, not bad. I mean, nothing, nothing knock your socks off, but good cigars. And their Mama Juana was made with wine, and it was very good. Interesting. And you're, you're not particularly a wine guy, though, right? Mm, no, not at all. I'm not, I'm not a drinker much. Well, but, but I mean... And then from there, we went to the chocolate factory where they actually took us through roasting the cacao, grinding it up, mixing it in the recipes, and actually making chocolate. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, it was it was an ounce, and it was a. The and how whole, was it taste-wise? Oh, it was wonderful. I bought. I ended up buying some of it and bringing back with me. It was wonderful. But the thanks thing, for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, well, I can't bring it all at once. I understand. And I'd have to. I'd have to get a burrow to follow me in here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but one the one thing that struck me the most is interesting. The most the thing that struck me the most about the Dominican Republic is. They are the happiest poor people I've ever seen. They're poor in finances, yeah, but they're rich in spirit. They're so happy. They work eight hours a day. Um, overtime is a unheard of concept in the Dominican Republic. There's no such thing as overtime. They're not going to work that way. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they all come home. They have their meal, and then they go. There's a public park there, and as we were driving by, there was old men playing dominoes, smoking cigars, and the ladies were over here obviously working on something, sewing circle-wise, and the kids were playing in the surf, and it was such a 
an amazing community that yeah. they would sit there all afternoon. I mean, they're just the, the happiest. I, I honestly believe they would shoot anyone that wanted to industrialize their nation. Well, I find that about the islands in general. You, they are such industrious people, but they have, but there's usually such a very fine line between the work day and the home day. Yeah, I think when they shut it down, they shut it down hard. Yeah. And, you know, the Dominican Republic's the third largest rum producer in the world, and 70% of their rum never leaves the island. They only export 30% of the rum. They actually make the rest stays on the island, and they drink it. Wow. So so I'm getting, So does the workday start at like 10 a.m.? <laughs> no, the workday starts promptly at 7 and ends promptly at 4 of an hour lunch. Wow. And um, everything there, there's no diesel engines there and anything like that. It's all propane powered. The motorcycles have got propane tanks on the back of them. But most people don't even have a car or transportation. They don't need it. They just walk where they need to go. I like that. It's beautiful. But anyway, more about that later. I'll talk about the cigars I smoked in a few minutes. And I've been off of the cigar. I feel like I've been talking too much during this <laughs> well, time. Let's, well, let's kind of go from there into your accessory that you brought. Okay, so I purchased the Zycar, and it's the Zycar Deep V. What is, do you remember what they actually call that? I do not. Okay. And I'll, so we were there at, um, at Corona, and he said, would you like me to cut your cigar? And I'm, I'm opposite of you in that. I do like for somebody to cut my cigar. And, I'll, and Sean pulled out, and I, he said, you want a V-cut or a straight cut? And I said, a V-cut if you've got a Calibri. I said, I don't want just a V-scratch. He said, no, I have the Zycar V-cut. And he pulled it out, and he cut my cigar. And it's, like you said, it's not as large a V-cut, not as deep, not as wide as what the Calibri produces. Right. But the Zycar cutter kind of cuts through a little better because it's not taking such a big bite of your cigar. You don't run as much risk. I've cut probably 30 cigars with this cutter so far and have yet to damage one. See, I've caught, I can't tell you how many I've cut with my Calibri, and I've maybe only damaged one or two. I, I, didn't, I didn't see a huge difference from that perspective, but maybe it would take me a few more. Well, also bear in mind, you're cutting smaller cigars than I am most of the time. But only slightly. I mean, you're, I'm staying around the 54 to 56 range. Yeah, and I'm usually at the 60, so yeah, it's so not a huge difference. No, it's two sixtieths of an inch. But when I cut with this... Um, I've got to know, and you've got to tell me, you cut your cigar with this. What is your impression of the craftsmanship of the cutter? It's very pretty. I will, I will certainly give them that, that it's uh, a very attractive cutter. Uh, you really have to, at least on yours, I can't say, you know, across the board, I found that I really had to get on the buttons to get it to release. Um, it was a little sticky coming down. But the thing for me, when again, this is just cutting one cigar with it, but I felt like I really had to hold my cigar into the divot to get it to stay in place, whereas the Calibri, you stick it in and you slice down, you're good. This one, I felt like I really had to keep it in place to keep the blade from moving it down that little divot and out. Well, and I think that's part of this is the di that's part of not having as deep a cut. It doesn't have as deep a divot. I'm not impressed with the craftsmanship. I'm going to be honest now. That brings us to something we're going to have to talk about. I'm not impressed with the craftsmanship because it's sticky, because it's not smooth. You have to push it hard to make it work. That's not impressive to me. But now here's the question. Am I being unfair to Zycar? Because when I bought this, I bought it in Florida, and I had it at sea around salt spray air I all it. the time. I doubt. Let me see it again. I, I really don't think you're being unfair on that. I mean, it's stainless steel. That shouldn't affect it. I mean, unless maybe the... My goodness. Well, and I didn't get sand in it. It didn't go with me to the beach. I did not drop it in the water or anything like that. Yeah, I really don't think... I think it's just the tolerances are so tight. Um, well, there's not a whole lot of tobacco flake or anything like that that I would, you know, accuse... I mean, the mechanism is identical to Calibri's. I mean, I could take this apart, and I guarantee you the internals would be just like what Calibri's are. Yeah, I, I don't think you can blame the salt air on this, but I, that being said, I'd have to try one here that had never been to Florida uh, to really know for sure. But I think it's just 
I think it's engineered within such tight tolerances that it's you're just getting a little rub. Well, and that brings me to my question for you. When you choose a lubricant for your cutter... Is that um, what this was about? <laughs> <laughs> when choosing a lubricant, what do you reach for? I don't lubricate my cutters. Well, that one obviously needs lubricating. If, if I were going to lubricate that one, I would use graphite. You think graphite, a uh, graphite, but, but now... But not on the blade. You, oh, the, no. The place you want to lubricate is on those posts. Uh, on the pins on the posts. Yeah. Well, and that's my question, because you have to be careful with what, how you lubricate. I'm actually considering using coconut oil. That would be fine. I'm considering putting coconut oil on it and actually warming it up, So because coconut oil has such a low point. And then if some of it gets on the blades or something like that, I don't have to worry about any degree of toxicity. And also, coconut oil is antimicrobial. Right. So I'm wondering if maybe coconut oil is the answer. Coconut oil can get sticky, though. You know, it's not like vegetable oil or some of your more refined cooking oils that will stay slippery. Right. Coconut oil, when it gets old, and it certainly would, you know, going up and down. It's going somewhere dangerous with that. Um, I'll wait till you hear what I what my next ideal is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I think it could get worn out and may end up getting a little sticky on you. Um, but I think I think that's probably a, a very good. A, a, you definitely don't want to go with WD forty or anything like that. And I think no, that's no, where you're going. You're trying to stay away from that. Don't do any three in one. Don't do any WD forty. Um, even I use lithium ion grease on my door hinges so they don't squeak. Don't even use that. But I think what I'm actually going to use is a product I use on all my guns, Frog Lube. Frog Lube? It's actually called Frog Lube. It's the greatest gun cleaner and lubricant ever invented. I would stick with something food safe. Well, Frog Lube is. You can eat Frog Lube. Oh. And you get you get trapped behind enemy lines. Well, the, if you're stuck and all you got your gun cleaning kit, you could live off frog lube for a couple of days. All right, but it's actually designed with guns to when you put it on, you take a blow dryer and run it over your gun and let the frog lube actually soak into the metal. And then as you're shooting the gun and it heats up, it actually it starts activates. Yeah, starts releasing that. And I've used it on all my guns for years. It's a pain in the neck to get. You got to know somebody. You got to get it at a gun show. It's a pain in the neck to get frog lube, but I may frog lube my cutter. But is it going to get hot enough? Like, does it need to be warmed up to to work properly? Oh no, no, it'll oh. still work without it. But I, the part of it I like is the part where it soaks into the metal. Yeah. And all, but I'm I don't know. I I need some food safe lube. Yeah, I would definitely anything that's going to go on your cutter, which is going to touch your cigar, which is going to go in your mouth. I, you've got to stay food safe, which is why I think the coconut oil is a good idea. Maybe even vegetable oil, if you wanted to go that route, uh, with a little Q-tip or a little eyedropper or something so you can get... Because it's a little goes a long, long, long way. And, the, yeah, I'm going to have to do something. So, um, so after... As for my homework for this week, by next week I will lube that cutter and we will try it again. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not giving it a... Um, a, a verdict just yet, but it's it's not as impressive as I was hoping it would it was going to be. Well, the the Calibri is the better product as of right now. And what's the retail on that? Forty that the um, Corona cigar is forty nine ninety five. Okay, so it's about ten dollars more than Calibri as well. Yeah, yeah, a little more expensive because it's got the Zycar name. It's going to be yep. And I I mainly bought it because all I had with me was a Zy, I had a Zycar straight V cut with me, mm-hmm. and I said, well, I would like to have a second cutter just in case. And it was only forty nine ninety five, so I went ahead and picked it up. Yeah. But we'll go to break. When we come back, I want to talk about Drew Estate's Cigar Safari. I want to talk about some of the cigars I smoked, and the greatest story of the night: the cigar smoking world champion has been crowned. And we will cover that when we return. All right. Well, we'll be back with that and more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about the My Father's Cigars La Gran Aferta. It translates into the great offer. 
Had one of these on my cruise. It was a wonderful smoke. The Robusto is $7.80. The Torpedo, a little more expensive. You get to $8.80. Now, this is what I don't understand. The Toro 6x50 is $8.40. <laughs> So, actually, the the Torpedo costs more than the Toro, but I guess that has to do with the skill of the roller. Yeah, I would imagine so. But wonderful smoke, full-bodied smoke. I've got to get my hands on one of these. Yeah, when you get one, but it is everything that makes me love my father's cigars. All right, then I know it's going to be right in my wheelhouse Yeah, as well. just a great no-pepper, a lot of strength, a lot of complexity. Uh, Rappers Ecuadorian Habano Rosado, the binder and filler are both Nicaraguans. Get one, give it a shot today. Just came out this year. Great smoke. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is Shane here with Trey. I've been playing with the controls too much. That's right. You've been playing with all the buttons and all the switches. Yeah. And I, you know, it's one of those things. When will I not have the urge to push any button I see or flip any switch? It ain't 42. <laughs> So whatever age it is, I know it ain't this one. (laughs) So this week in cigar news, Drew Estate has canceled all cigar safaris until fall of 2019. Okay, Um, so for about the next year. Yeah. So the cigar safari is a really great thing. I've never heard anybody go on it that was not just totally amazed. Same. I mean, everyone talks so highly of it. Yeah, and they take you to Esteli, and they've got, they actually have the Liga Pravada symbol in the bottom of their pool, and it's one of those things that I'm going to go do one day. I've got to get around to doing it, but I won't do it in 2018, because it's the civil unrest in Nicaragua. We talked last week about them potentially moving the Nicaraguan um, Puro Festival to Miami. Right. As part of that, and until they get that civil unrest under control, they're not gonna. They don't feel safe bringing people down there. And I really respect that. Yeah, it's really good that they, you know, Drew Estate recognizes that. But Drew Estate's kind of always ahead of the curve on that kind of stuff. They are. And Drew I wonder Estate, how much of that comes from Jonathan being from New York. There's probably a, a portion of it that's that, and there's also and also Sam Morales recently quit Drew Estate. Mm. And Sam had been marketing, head of marketing and directing and all at Drew Estate for years and years and years. One of my favorite pictures is Glenda and I with Sam at the Barn Smoker. Um, I don't know what Sam's going to do. I hope Sam made enough money that all he's going to do is retire and whatever he wants to for the rest of his life. Yeah. I choose the optimistic view of life. In this, in this situation, at least. Well, I tried, I tried to. I'm going to give everybody here a clue. Your mental posture needs to be right in whatever situation you're going into. When you're going into a situation, like I'm going to teach a class, so it's called, So You Think You Want to Go on a Cruise. Because <laughs> when you're on a cruise, you're part of an organism. You're not an individual piece. You're a part of an organism. You know, there's 2,500 people, give or take, on that boat, counting staff, captains, officers, waiters, busboys, all of these things, and you're just one piece of that that's on that boat. If you only eat albino peacock eggs harvested under the third full moon by a virgin, don't complain when they don't have those to serve to you. If your child does not like the number of black beans in their quesadilla, let me explain something to you. That dude that fixed the quesadilla... He's on his 38th day of a 60-day shift working 12 hours a day trying to feed 2,500 people five times a day. (laughs) Here's what you do. Order something else. Don't ask him to... If he had to custom make a a quesadilla, we would all on the cruise, if we were lucky, get one quesadilla during the the whole breath of the (laughs) cruise. To share between you. Yeah. Just, Just go with the flow. So you're saying don't special order on a cruise? Is that the... Yeah, if you're the kind of person that has to have everything special ordered, that can't order stuff off the rack, that doesn't eat bologna, that um, oh, my, that my, made, gr- my girlfriend is listening to this episode, dying laughing right now. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah, if you if you're that kind of person, not saying that I'm on the radio with one, but if you were, <laughs> um, you probably are not going to enjoy the cruise at the level I do. You know, if your comfortable temperature range is between 70.34 and 71.20, you're probably not going to enjoy it. If your steak has to be extra rare with just a touch of pink and a thin line of heat, don't go on a cruise. 
have have good variances. You know, I can eat a steak anywhere from medium rare to medium well. As long as it hits my table anywhere in that range, I'll eat it. Yeah, same. Won't, won't affect me at all. And my eggs, if they're scrambled hard, if they're scrambled soft. And here's the beautiful thing about the cruise. If they brought me out a steak and slapped it down in front of me and it was overdone, I'd wave at the little dude and say, hey, fix me another steak. He'll bring a stringer of them out there like they're a bat, like a list of bass. That, that is where you get into some of the the benefit of the cruise, though. Is is if something's not right, not because it's your taste or, or you know maybe you order wrong. Well, even if you do order wrong, all you have to do is say, you know what, I missed the mark. Can you bring me whatever? Yeah, I happen to get the end cut of the prime rib instead of the center cut. Bring me another. And they're thrilled to death because they want you happy. Mm-hmm. They want to bring you whatever it takes to make you happy. Well, they get, or at least it used to be this way. I used to know someone who worked the cruise circuit uh, as an entertainer. I'm not talking about Jimmy, because he was part of the crew, um, part of like the little like theater show, or whatever. Right. Um, most of the wait staff and the housekeepers and all those they're bonused on guest satisfaction scores. Oh yeah, which is why they turn your towels into monkeys and elephants, and it's why they. We'll leave you an extra mint on your pillow if you want it. And, and they do tend to go above and beyond. And it's because, you're right, they want you happy. That was one of the funniest things that in our cruising life. I came in one time, was first time on a cruise, and Glenda said, they quit putting mints on the pillows. I said, have they ever put mints on the pillows? She said, yeah, I always ate them before you got there. But they quit putting (laughs) mints on the pillows. I said, well, then it really doesn't affect my life. I don't see me complaining about this. She said, well, it affects mine. (laughs) But I had no idea they put mints on pillows because my wife get into the room before me and eat them. But a, 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 a small little thing, but I will say top tip for cruising, leave some stuff around the cabin. It's not going to go missing. Leave your leave your sunglasses out on the counter when you go to dinner because it'll be on the elef- the towel elephant when you get back or oh, the yeah. the watch. I've had I've had my towel elephant or towel monkey wearing my watch one time. It's just it, it it's uh, it's very whimsical and it's a lot of fun. It is and they're and they're there and they're having a ball. They're enjoying you know their job. They're from the Philippines. They're from Russia. They're from all over the world, and it's a lot of fun. It's just a it's a great way to vacation. But I used to love playing what I would call cruise bingo, no official cards or anything. But but seeing where like how many different countries you could find people from, and found people from Belarus and from the Ukraine and uh, you know Indonesia and, and all over the place. Oh, and yeah. it's just a lot of fun, and they all speak pretty good English. Yeah, I mean, they, they do a good job of training them up. They're all very helpful. They never walk by you in the hall without saying hello, good morning, how are you doing? Which is something that the hotels in this country could learn something from. Yeah, that really could make a difference. But anyway, this is not the cruise cast. It is the cigar cast. Well, so tell me about what you smoked while you were gone. So probably my favorite cigar I smoked while I, grew, while I was gone. While was you the, grew up. While I grew up. <laughs> While I was gone was my father, La Grande Offerta. Okay, is that the, one you found down there? Uh-huh, the Grand Offering. And uh, um, wrapper, Ecuadorian, Habano, Rosado, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. I loved it. It was a wonderful smoke. I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, it just came out at IPCPR this year. Oh, okay, so it's one of their newer blends. Brand spanking new cigar, and it was just so good. Um, everything about it was my father. But it was it was what my father's cigars should be. Um, not a lot of pepper, but a lot of flavor, a lot of body. Um, I, when I got there on Sunday, I actually caught a little bit of a cold on the plane ride down, but I refused to del- I refused delivery, so it wasn't a big deal. Oh, he's going for the second cut. He's I making the second cut. I can't do it anymore. Oh, the good people at Zycar just cried just a little bit. That's so much better. I, I, I've said on the show before, I was never a V-Cut fan until the Calibri came out. And, you know, I haven't had the chance to really test that out since because I've always used it ever since I knew about it. It wasn't doing it for me. I had to grab the... Uh, now, granted, I did still use a Zycar cutter. Yeah, you used the classic Zycar teardrop cutter. But, I, yeah, I had to I had to knock the shoulders off of it. I had to open it up. And now I'm actually getting a lot more out of this cigar, and I'm enjoying it a lot more. Well, 
the Gran Oferta was probably. I also smoked the Illusiono, Illusione one off. Mm-hmm. Not impressed at all. Really? And Illusione is usually one of my favorite cigars. This this did not impress. It was this all is, off. No one. Yeah. This and especially at like seventeen bucks. Oof. You know, a big price tag. You hate getting a bad cigar with that kind of price tag. Oh yeah. When you're talking about seventeen bucks and it's that, it's like, man, I could have had a Padron. And I was not impressed by that. Was impressed. Um, the Cao Esteli, like I said, is really impressive. I picked up Herrera Esteli TAA, which was absolutely a wonderful smoke. Um, just several really good cigars. I'll kind of go into it as the weeks go on, some of the other ones as I remember them. Now, did you get all of them at Corona, or did you pick some stuff up while you were actually in the Dominican as well? I bought three cigars when I was at the Dominican. It was the house blend that they rolled right there in-house. Um, AJ and I smoked one the other day sitting on the back porch together. I brought it back, and he sat down with me, and we smoked them, and both of us kind of had the same opinion, kind of flat. Yeah. Nothing really to it. I mean, it wasn't a bad smoke. But nothing really. There was nothing offensive or helpful. Do you have it. any left? I do have one to bring to you. Sit on it for a year. I think I sat on it for a year. Sit on it. it for a year. Okay. I'll put it in the humidor and I'll we'll smoke it again this time next year. All right. Yeah, I have found that with house blends like that, they almost always need to sit. There's a place called Babalu Cigars in Austin, Texas, and they actually don't carry any mainline stuff. The only thing you can get at their cigar shop are the cigars that they make in house. And they make some really good cigars. It's mostly on the milder side, but they make some very, very good cigars. The problem is you've got to sit on them for six months, and then they're fantastic. Well, on to the to the big story of the night. All right. Let's, let's talk about this abomination. The World Cigar Smoking Championship, the CSWC. It won. was in Croatia, right? It was in Croatia. It was won by Germany. A German man... Um, for the first time ever, Walter Hocke, a member of the German club Ateris Tabaks Collegium Hedesdorf 1870. I am certain you pronounced all of those words correctly. I said them fast and with confidence. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he smoked this cigar, and this was a Macanudo Inspirado. Okay. Take a, take a guess. Put a number. Uh, what size was it? Uh, it just says Macanudo Inspirado. Uh, I'm going to say three hours and 20 minutes. 168 minutes and five seconds. So, all right. Six, so, a little under, little shy of three hours. Yeah. And uh, the runner-up was Alexander Shagai from St. Petersburg Horsepower Cigar Club. I like that. Yeah, that, that's... that's. But uh, you got to admit, there's a little something to the German club at Harris Tabaks Collegium. I like Collegium. Yeah. If we ever start a cigar smoking club around here, it's got to have it's Collegium in absolutely. it. Absolutely. Hedesdorf, 1870. There's, there's, you know, that's a lot to put on a business card. It is, but, but it's it very impressive. German. It is so very German. Yeah, that, that's as German <laughs> as it gets at all, without some sort of a, a salute afterwards. Do you have the full, like, breakdown of where people landed on that, or is that just the... It's just number one, number two, and number three. Who was number three? Number three was Tomas Zolotowicz from Poland. He wow. finished third at 147 minutes, 49 seconds. Um, Zola Zolotovicus was the first one to ever exceed the hun- the magic 180 minute line. So he didn't do it this year. Oh, okay. But was... he he holds the record as the one first one to exceed the 180 second line. And yeah. as as if this wasn't enough. Here's where you're going to get me really riled up. Isn't as I? if this wasn't enough in the women's division. <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> also won by German. Patricia Binden from Dusseldorf. She finished after 133 minutes. Now, why? Like, uh, all right, so this. Uh, God, you were right. <laughs> I'm getting so worked up over this pointless <laughs> thing. <laughs> why do you need gender divisions in a cigar smoking contest? Second place <laughs> was Agata Petrowski from Poland. I got a Petrowski for Christmas one time. Now, she, you had to pay extra for Petrowski <laughs> in Poland. <laughs> but now this is what's amazing. First place, as if any of this article can be considered amazing. I first, haven't found anything yet. First place, Patricia Binden from Dusseldorf. 
She was 133 minutes on her cigar. All right, so two hours and 13 minutes. The closest second place was 95 oh minutes and five seconds. I, I love that the German's running up the clock. <laughs> yeah, ain't that like running up the scoreboard? Yeah, exactly. They're like, ah, we're only ahead 52 to seven. Go for two, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's a, that's just amazing. But a Martina was she? I wonder. Oh gosh, you're getting me sucked into this. I wonder if there's what the world record is for the female division. If uh, maybe she was trying to break that. Like I can't think of any other reason why you've already won by 30 minutes and just keep going. Yeah, that's what amazes. But you know, if if the other person tapped out at 95 minutes, when you get to say 105, 110, do you, and yeah. you still got some left in the tank, do you not just go ahead and puff it out? Yeah, I think I think at that point you just sit there and just start freight training it. Yeah, I think at some point you're just bragging. <laughs> and all. third place was also a German lady, Martina Kleinlegel, and she was 80 minutes in one second. So, so second and third were pretty close together. Well, it's not like there was any photo finishes in this competition. No. Nobody won by a furlong, but I, I didn't know how much joy it would bring me to tell you about the women's division in cigars. I really don't understand that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't really understand gender divisions in most sports anyway. But it, of all things, and oh my gosh, I just called this a sport, didn't I? Ugh. Oh, I'm so ashamed of myself. Welcome to the dark side. Oh my God. So, but I really don't understand... Like there's no part of me that could that could wrap my head around why that's necessary or. Uh, uh, I see. I stand by all of my hatred and vitriol for the cigar smoking world championships. I love that it's an international event. I love that there. I love that there's people in the world that this is what they have time to do. If you if you think society has not advanced, that we have the time to spend just shy of three hours smoking a single cigar. I, uh, there's so much more that you can do with your life. I mean, don't get me wrong. I spend three hours a day smoking cigars, too. But, <laughs> but it's not just one cigar. It's not one cigar in one sitting. Exactly. Well, I thought it was I thought it was interesting, and when I seen there was a women's division, I couldn't resist. Oh. And uh, so the other thing I smoked on my vacation, and we're going to have to do a show where we get Jonathan back on here and we actually predict the 10 um, cigar aficionado top 10. Because I smoked the Raymond Ollones by A.J. Fernandez. And I put a post on the cigar cast about it because it is, if it does not make the top 10, there is no justice. Really? It was that good? One of the best cigars I have ever smoked. What, was, what is the price point on it? Oh, it wasn't bad. It was, I think it's 10 or 12 bucks. Oh, wow. And all, but it was it's, it says it's the reincarnation of an iconic smoke. Now, I didn't look up all the details on it. I just happened to think about it because I seen the ad on the other article I was looking at. But it was so good. Very, just a very full-bodied, not a lot of pepper, just a great, great smoke. Is it necessary that they turn the TV up loud enough that you can hear it at my house? Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. Football season is upon us now. It, it officially is. opened this past weekend, so I guess now we're we're into the long, you know, next four months of being inundated with airport level noise pollution. I wish I understood what people loved about football. I mean, don't get me wrong; I think it's a fun game, but the level of interest that some people put in it just is mind-boggling. And now, I'm Obsession sure people, is probably more accurate than interest. Now, that being said, I'm sure there are people that whose eyes glaze over when you start talking about hunting or when I start talking about running up mountains and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, everyone has their own thing. But when it comes to, especially professional football, because that's, you know, once the pro season starts, that's, you know, it's a seven-day-a-week thing. There's, there's, it's on TV through three nights a week and then they talk about it the other five four you know but i don't i don't good s- math there, yeah Craig. you know <laughs> it's been a long week it's been it's just one of those things i don't quite understand getting that emotionally invested in someone who's making 20 million dollars a year yeah i don't i don't understand that i don't understand that there's a lot of guys that would be in jail except for their affinity to play this child's game 
I don't get that. But I don't hate football. It's just it's not me. It's not my thing. I'm like, all right, so case in point, in two weeks I'm going to Atlanta for a work trip. And we've got to be there Monday through Wednesday. And so we're leaving here. We're driving. And we're going to leave out Sunday. And I was talking to one of the guys who's riding with me. And he said, yeah, but I want to watch the Titans game um, before we leave. Which is fine. I wasn't planning on leaving much earlier than that anyway. But, like, you've got a four-hour drive ahead of you. And your one thing of, like, when we leave is is this like children's game. Yeah, why don't, why that, don't you listen to no it on the real, radio on the way down there? That has no real bearing on your life. Like, your, your life is not going to change based on whether they win or lose the first game of the season unless you've got a prop bet in Vegas that they, you know, go undefeated. I, I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Um, I mean, they had the, in the fantasy football eludes me too. They had the fantasy football draft here. I guarantee you, there was not as much technology present at NASA when they launched the first shuttle to the moon as there was here Sunday night for the fantasy football draft. Everyone had their phone, their laptop, and their tablet open. Oh, yeah. yeah. Statistics and now, that performances. Being, that being said, I have been that guy. I've, I've played fantasy football two seasons of the last maybe eight, seven. I kind of it, – it's, it's a way to enjoy football. You know, it's. I don't care about pro sports, but it's a way, for the most part, it's a way to get me to sit down and watch a pro football game between Tampa Bay and Philly. Well, the great Jimmy Pardo said it years and years ago, and Jimmy said it's not really fantasy football; it's fantasy accounting, because all you're doing is crunching numbers. At, yeah. some, at a certain point, all you're doing is just crunching the numbers. Well, don't it makes me wonder if Billy Bean is sitting somewhere going, God, why didn't I think of that? He's the general manager for the Oakland A's that Moneyball is based off of. Oh, okay. You know, I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, so completely revolutionized the way baseball is managed and played by his use of statistics. And I, you've got to imagine looking at fantasy football, he had to be thinking, oh my gosh, I was there. Like, <laughs> kind of well, paved the way. Well, coming back to cigars, we're going to touch one more thing before we call it a night. God, this has flown by tonight. The Camacho Diploma is returning. It's been gone for about five years? Yeah, it's a a 20-year-old cigar brand, but I think they quit making them about five years ago. But they're returning it in almost a Solomon-type shape. It's curvy. It's going to be a 54-ring gauge. It's going to be six inches long. But if you look at the picture here... Those at home will have to look at their own picture. Okay, yeah. Uh, it almost looks like a cannon. Yeah, it's almost... and Okay. Camacho. I realize Davidoff owns y'all. But let's talk. It's going to be released in an 18-cigar box, and each box is going to have its own coffin. Oh, gosh. Suggested retail price? $18. $22.50. They have done that so much lately. The Ditka cigars was up in that eighteen to twenty dollar range. The Liberty, the Liberty is, and they do the coffin thing with that too. Fine people at Davidoff, let me explain something to you. I don't want to spend the mortgage payment trying to enjoy your cigar. And on top of that, as well, is the reason I even think that nine to ten dollars that I'm paying for the Corojo and the Ecuador is a little high for what that cigar is. I, now, don't get me wrong; I absolutely adore those cigars, but I think for a Camacho product, they're priced a little high, and that's a Davidoff thing I've noticed. That price has creeped up ever since the rebrand. And Camacho, and Camacho's always been the more working man smoke, and Davidoff has taken him away from that, and I don't approve. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you. And I will say about the shape of that cigar, the Triple Maduro comes in in a shape very, very similar to that. I think they call it like the 1748 or whatever, and it, it starts a little tapered, gets bigger, and then it's, it's not as... It, it's a little more angular than that one is. That right. one looks this like it's done. This is the eleven eighteenth format. Okay, that's that's what it is. Um, I, I knew it was something numbers like that. Um, I've I've smoked six of those. Never could get a good draw out of it. I hated it. I hate that size. I I've never been able to get a good draw out of that shape of a cigar. 
Well, you know, we try we try to run a very positive show. But I think Davidoff is taking Camacho in a poor direction. I mean, and it may be Camacho. It, it could be that Camacho's doing doing this of their own accord, and they're able to do it because they've got the backing from Davidoff. I, you know, I can't say for sure. Uh, I, and, and, and like I said earlier, like in the interest of being positive, I love Camacho. I love Camacho's cigars. But for 22 bucks, I, I just can't justify or, or make peace in my head with spending $22 on a Camacho. Those should be everyday smokes to me. Well, and here's the thing. When you see a cigar, and this is my red flag, when I see a cigar that is in its own individual coffin, that they've taken the time to build the own individual box. I see an extra two bucks. Right. I feel like I'm paying for the box, not the quality of smoke. It turns me off to that cigar. You know, tubos have been that way for me. I feel like I'm paying for the tube. Yeah. And I, and I don't get to smoke the tube. And I used to feel that way about the La Aurora uh, Perfectos that come in the tubes. Right, the Preferitos. Since I've had them, I no longer feel that way. But for the longest time, I st- stayed away from those because I felt like I was going to be paying for that tube. Well, and think of the success La Aurora's had since they took them out of the tubes yeah. and have started offering them just in the cellophane. Well, it makes me wonder how many people think the way that we do. Yeah, I think I think they're responding to something in the market. Now, the exception to your coffin, though, is is the Edicion de Silvia that Perdomo made for years and years and years. Their, their Solomon came in a coffin. The rest of them just came cellophane. But that was one cigar where I felt like I, di- I didn't feel like I was paying for the c- for the presentation. I felt like that cigar was every bit of work, and it was about twenty two bucks as well. Well, I'm I probably you know probably won't smoke one of these for that reason. One, it's Padron money and it's a Camacho. Two, they're putting a lot of money into packaging. You look at the box, you look at everything. You know, let me tell you something. I love when the LFD order comes here. And he takes the crowbar and pops off the top of the 50-count packing crate full of cigars. Right. That's my smoke. Yeah. That's where I'm at. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm fully with you on that. Now, I'm all for presentation. I love when a cigar is presented well. But this one, I feel like it has to it has to match the brand. I mean, Avo. Let's talk about beautiful packaging that makes a difference. But I don't feel like I pay for the packaging with Avo. Right. You're, you're paying for the quality of the yeah. smoke. And, and Avo... Avo started out more expensive, and the market has caught up to them. Right. And I'll, but till next week, how can they get a hold of us? All right. Let's, uh, let's plug the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the cigar cast. If you want to see any of the pictures that Shane posted from his trip, I think there were a couple that he threw up there. Uh, we can, we're also on Instagram and Twitter at the cigar cast, and drop us a line via email if you want at info at the Well, everyone, thank you for listening this week, and until next week, have a good cigar and think well of us.